My first regular wage-earning job was a rather unusual one. I was a radio operator for a country music station in De Pere, Wisconsin. And I was still in high school at the time, so I did a lot of yeoman work, keeping the studio and offices clean, making the coffee, mowing the lawn, that kind of stuff. But I took the job because I also got to work in the studio, dubbing commercials from big reels to cartridges, and then programming the computer to play the commercials in rotation. Now, since I was in school and extracurricular activities during most of the daylight hours, this job often involved me coming to work either very late or very early, after 10 o'clock at night or before 5 in the morning normally, and this several days a week. It was very interesting uh, when I had things like homecoming, and uh, there was one time I was actually on the air, and a friend of mine who was my ride that night, was he had fallen asleep in the studio and was snoring, and uh, I had to be careful that he wasn't heard over the air. But in any case, uh, I was allowed to go live, as you can hear, and occasionally even to interrupt the satellite music feed that normally ran overnight. But I would have to record carefully whatever I played and whatever I skipped because uh, paying royalties to the artist depended on knowing exactly how many times the songs would play. One night I arrived and there were 10 or 12 messages on our answering machine and some poor lonely fellow out there in the night somewhere uh, kept calling and requesting Johnny Cash. And so I went to our uh, vinyl store room and I pulled out Ghost Riders in the Sky and went live to give him a word of encouragement if he was still listening. In my second year I got my own super early Saturday show. It's a strange feeling, I can tell you, to speak to no one in particular in the middle of the night on a microphone. Who's up at that hour? Who's listening to me? Uh, there were people listening. We had Arbitron ratings, so I know that. Well, farmers during the planting and harvesting seasons, and eventually I even had a segment of farm news on my broadcast. There are policemen, truckers, night shift workers at the local factories. And if you happen to have them in your area, there might be shepherds. It's striking that the angels appear to the shepherds on their night watch. Darkness, I can tell you, is a dangerous time for human beings, and it's a dangerous time for sheep, too. It's not easy to see danger approaching. You don't have a lot of people around watching you. Uh, you're alone much of the time. It's not easy to identify what's going on before your eyes. You can't see very well. On a cloudless night, however, the darkness is far from total, even in a sheepfold, far from city lights. There is the moon, roughly half of the time, and every night there are stars. The stars don't really illuminate the land. You need the moon to do that. But billions of them are visible to your eye. It's astounding, really. Unfortunately, city dwellers are often cut off from the marvel of the stars. I suspect that this was already a problem in the ancient world. And I suspect this because there are two groups that received the revelation of Christ's birth. And they were both stargazers of different sorts. The Magi were professionals. They were stargazers hoping to read portents coming down from the heavens. The shepherds didn't have such pretensions. 
But as I discovered working a short night shift in high school in a small town, it's hard to spend hours outside at night without a sense of wonder, eventually raising us above ourselves, thinking about higher ideas. And perhaps it was this, this awareness of both the danger of the dark and the wonder of the stars, that faraway, unreachable realm of beauty that disposed these simple shepherds to receive the angelic announcement. Both are important, the danger and the beauty. Uh, if any of you here happen to be scholars of comparative religion, this combination of danger and wonder might remind you of the idea of the holy, according to the theologian Rudolf Otto. This suggests that there is something sacred about the night when viewed from the right perspective. J.R.R. Tolkien captured this in a famous passage from The Lord of the Rings. Quote, There, peeping among the cloud rack above a dark tor, high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land, and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. The shadow of this world, its refractory obstinance, cannot reach the beauty of the heavens. But neither can we mortals. Yet the light and silent beauty of the stars can awaken in us a desire for something that we cannot quite comprehend because it surpasses our native powers even to imagine it. That doesn't stop us from trying to imagine it or wondering about it. That amid so many countersigns in the world, Amid evil and death, poverty and sickness, human beings go on hoping, go on desiring beauty and goodness, even if we lack all evidence that we can obtain it or hold on to it if somehow we manage to obtain it. And today, many skeptics deny that this hope points to anything at all. And they claim that our maturation as the human race requires us to leave behind such childish hopes as ascending to the heavens to live there forever. We should just accept the brutal finality of death and get over it. And the angels did not trouble themselves to seek out such persons. Instead, they sought out shepherds, keeping their night watch. And the, the angels demonstrate by this that our desire for heaven, for beauty, for fullness and joy, does not require us to figure out how to get there for ourselves. Because on this night, heaven came down to us. Tonight, we who have surely at many moments of our lives walked in darkness are visited by a great light. Into the darkness of this world, Christ our light has descended. Let us note the importance, though, of our experience of darkness in this. It is a reminder that this world, good as it is in so many ways, is never a rational goal in itself. 
At its most menacing, the world is a shadow, and at its best, it is a sacrament, pointing us beyond itself to the place where our true peace lies. Our strengths, our competence, the places where we shine, these are obviously good, but it is often the case that we don't as readily welcome Christ as a Redeemer where we don't feel the need of redemption. The all-powerful Word of God leaps more readily down from heaven into a heart that accepts its darkness and keeps watch for him. Do not fear to let Christ descend this night into whatever might be dark in your life, whatever might be dark in your heart. It is to those who accepted this darkness without forgetting the stars that Christ revealed himself. He is waiting to reveal himself to us as well.